There's been so much suffering in the world over the last couple of years and so much struggle. And when you're finally done with struggling and suffering, you seek emotional healing. And today's guest is Dr. Liz Bonet, who is an expert in emotional healing and has been in service her whole life, helping others to overcome the blocks in their subconscious mind that hold them back from being who they really want to be and living the life they really want to live. Join us to find out more. Join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show. Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, and to our connection with this planet and our role in serving the planet during this time of big transition. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I love these conversations because I feel like these conversations really help people to open up to their own awakening process and maybe stop doubting it so much because we can really doubt ourselves if we don't have some validation from others going through similar things. And when we do have a little bit of validation, it sure goes a long way because we can really then rest and relax back into the journey that we're taking with the Great Spirit to really uncover who we are and why we came here and and what's our role, you know, in this bigger movement on earth at this time. So I love interviewing people who are contributing to that conversation. And I also love bringing people on that journey individually and privately in my group session. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check out uh, my group programs on my website, carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And you can also get there from soulnectar.show. So I'm going to introduce today... One of my guests, who I know is part of the big movement of the second wave, uh, Dr. Liz Bonet. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So I was interviewed on Liz's podcast, Hypnotize Me. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that episode. You can go check that out as well. In the meantime, Dr. Liz Bonet is an emotional healing specialist. She's a winner of numerous awards, including Top 100 Moms in Business. And Dr. Liz provides deeper healing to people all over the world who want a holistic, mindful way to transform. She has been an entrepreneur most of her life, as have I. Isn't it interesting? Many of us in the second wave entrepreneurs, selling an award-winning business in 2016, and then currently running that hypnotherapy practice we talked about and a podcast we talked about as well, Hypnotize Me. Dr. Liz is a thought work and mindset ninja, helping others overcome the blocks in their subconscious mind that are holding them back from who they want to be, the relationships they want to have, and the life they want to live. And so I welcome you to the show. And, um, you know, the first thing I usually ask people just as a starting point, is how did you personally start waking up to this eventual purpose? And you know, you can be given anywhere along the the journey. Like I was born, and I started waking up. <laughs> Where, yeah, yeah. Not me. I mean, technically me, right? But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just you know, wherever you want to start the conversation is is welcome. Yeah, sure. Well, I did come from a family that really emphasized service. So my father was a Methodist minister 
and a teacher before that. And then my mother was a social worker for most of her life and then became a minister later after my father passed away. And I went to be a therapist since I was like, I think I, I set that goal when I was in middle school or something. And I had a whole like plan laid out right, of like how I was going to become a psychologist and undergrad was even really just a stepping stone for me. I saw it like I, I just got to get through undergrad to get to grad school. And then I burned out, right? So I went all through grad school. I worked for about a year and then I burned out and I went into a whole different direction. And really when I think about awakening to my own spiritual journey, that did not happen until I could say my early 40s, I would say. Yeah, early 40s, where I really felt connected to um, who I was, my purpose, that, you know, I always wanted to be the therapist, but then it's like the practice of being that was quite different. So in between there, I did leave the field. I became a yoga teacher. And then that became very, very meaningful for me because I was teaching prenatal yoga. And so I saw yoga as honestly just the platform for empowering women around their own bodies, around their own choices, around motherhood. It just happened to be through yoga. So even um, yoga, like that was the time, actually, yeah, I'm going to back up on this. I'm going to change my story here a little bit, talking it out, right? I felt very connected teaching yoga. So that was a time when I could really go inward for myself and then share that with other people eventually as a teacher. And I would say most of my major decisions in my life are made in a yoga class, generally with like tears pouring down my face, you know? <laughs> it's funny because I talked to someone the other day who said, you know, I would love to do yoga, but every time I step into a class, I start crying. So then <laughs> I don't do it. And I'm like, oh my God, like that's wonderful. Don't you think, you know, teachers like love to see people cry all the, you know, body awakening, blah, blah. So I did have a very connected sense of purpose in terms of like empowering women. But then I think I really, but during all that time I was atheist. Okay, so I'm going to throw that out there. So I think internally, I started feeling much more connected in my early 40s in terms of my own spiritual journey. So it was sort of like, yes, I have a purpose here, but it's not really connected to anything greater than just these people right here, right? But in my early 40s, I went into recovery for um, a while, not drug and alcohol, but I've been in various other programs and um, Overeating's Anonymous is, was a big program I did as well as I did Al-Anon for a year and like all kinds of stuff. But I really found that at that point, I found a greater sense of um, a higher power that I, I call it plural, right? I actually call it like my freaky deaky higher power because it's not like the patriarchal God I grew up with. You know, I really see it as like these supportive spirits that are there for me and energetic and that we make contracts with people to live this life. Like that all became clear to me in my early 40s. And then I also went through a really in-depth hypnosis technique called core healing, which um, I went through it to be trained in it. And that was when I got extremely clear because under hypnosis, the hypnotherapist asked me, like, what is your purpose here? And I said, to heal as many people as I can. So that was probably 
trying to think how old I was, 45 or something, 44, 45. I'm 51 now. So it wasn't that long ago, you know, in the like grand scheme of things. But I would say that, yeah, that's when I really found the true sense of connection of, I really am here to do something. It's not just like in my head, it's truly full body in my heart, um, connected to a greater sense of spirituality. Wow. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Sorry, did I do it in less than three minutes? (laughs) A fantastic answer. And it raised up many avenues to explore. The first one I want to dive into, just touch on is what you said about you knew that you were here to heal as many people as you could. And that feels so true to me when you said that. And, you know, it's really in alignment. So I'm going to bring up the thing I said I wasn't going to bring up. It's really in alignment with just how I'm feeling because in my own heart has been, you know, this passionate feeling of waking up people as quickly as I can Mm. to connection with Mother Earth, Mm. to awaken their own brilliance so that they will know what to do next for their part of this awakening process on Earth. And, you know, and, and in my mentality, I've been like, we can survive, you know, this extinction event that's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And I just listened to Dr. Zach Bush. I don't know if you know him, but for anybody mm-hmm. out there, Dr. Zach Bush, amazing, brilliant, like four or five medical degrees, like just, <laughs> and he's he's really into the microbiome and, and healing the microbiome within you in order to connect you back into the microbiome of the earth and, and the harmony of the earth, right? And I listened to this interview with him where he was talking about how we're facing the sixth extinction and in his own final, uh, his own processing on it, his own personal processing is like, I've accepted if it doesn't work out in humanity, doesn't make it. I've accepted that that's what's right for the earth. Mm. And I've accepted death. I've accepted my own death and the death of all of my ancestors going forward. Like I've just accepted that that might be the reality. And I something dropped in for me. It was like, Oh, like, yeah, that's really, we really are in that scramble of how can we potentially save humanity? How can we upgrade this consciousness to allow humanity to keep going? And the answer is the work that you and I are doing and others are doing, the work he's doing with helping people understand their bodies and that we're connected to the earth and microbiome and you need need to eat raw vegetables. We need to stop polluting our soil with with like chemicals and to kill bugs and all this kind of stuff. Like stop doing that, you know, like Mm -hmm. bugs are not bad. And the process that we're doing is to help people like clear the mud out of themselves so they can actually- You know, it's almost like Mother Earth keeps showing me the mud just needs to, they're just, they're full of mud and they uh-huh. can't think. So you've got to help them clear the mud and put the mud down in the earth, give it back to me. And then they'll start to understand what you're saying right now. They can't understand because they're full of mud. Yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of stuff that gets in the way of that, that gets in the way of them knowing their own true purpose. Like, what are they doing here? And I know I was full of mud. I don't know about you, but I spent half my life full of mud. And I was like, what? I don't understand. I hear you talking. I'm really smart. I'm a smart intellectual person. I'm not understanding what you're saying to me. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we find clarifying paths along the way though, you know, like, yes, we're, we're not understanding the mud's there, but we're still seeking, 
we're still seeking to understand. And at some point, the mud clears away, right? We find what we need to find or who we need to find to help us heal, to help us along on that journey. And um, yeah, I think that happens as, as a like organic process. There was, uh, I was working with a money coach, Joan Sotkin. I don't know if you know her, but she's really cool. But um, we were in a group at one point. She was running a group and I was in it. And I had made a comment that, oh, you know, you can heal that in a weekend, right? Like <laughs> with an intensive hypnosis session. And she goes, mm-hmm, yes, but Elizabeth, didn't you do eight years of therapy before that? And I was like, mm, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Like all of that was preparation to be able to do the deeper healing sometimes. So I really feel like people find us when they're ready that sometimes they do the preparatory work. You know, sometimes it's like they don't need, I'm not saying that everybody needs therapy before they do hypnosis. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I really strongly believe that people find me when they need me. Yeah, I believe that too. And um, I've had the same attitude as you've had to begin with. And then I got schooled and I was like, oh, because once you wake up, I don't know, for me, once I woke up, it was so clear and I was like, well, it's just like this, you know, like it's so simple. It's so clear. And I forgot the state of being I was in before where that none of that made sense. So I was like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I would have avoided that. Or I would have been like, oh, I don't get it. That's mm-hmm. nice. Sounds good for you. And I would have probably been yes. like that. Like, that's nice for you. You can heal that in a weekend. For me, it's not working. <laughs> totally. Right. You know? right. And I would have been mad, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. And sometimes yeah. people like, sometimes if we give them too much, like I've noticed like um, sometimes if people get too much light or too much clearing too quick, they can tumble backwards like mm-hmm. and be set back. So this is a delicate balance and, and every person is configured differently. And we have to, we have to learn to trust our own process with mother earth and how we're going to awaken through this process of being a human being with a spirit and integrating ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And I like how you put that. Like sometimes they can feel like they're tumbling back that happens too quickly. Yeah. I would agree with that. Absolutely. I had a whole, I actually, got a nightmare about that. Well, only because it scared me, but I got a vision about that when I was on, I took a group to Peru and we were doing tremendous work there, just like with the shamans every day and all this like up-leveling and everything. And it was like, people were so magical and you the sparkles in people's eyes and they're like, wow, this is so amazing. And all of this. And then the day before, or a couple of days before we were supposed to leave, I woke up with this, this dream woke me up with a start. It was so, it was like, there's this adorable, like one and a half year old baby, like toddler climbing up a long staircase uh-huh. with an adult on either side, but a little too far away. Uh-huh. And that baby was just so proud, you know, got all the way up to the top step and then wobbled. And the little look in their eyes of like, yay, I made it. And then whoosh, fell down the stair. And I, I mean, oh, wow. It was just broken. I just, oh, they were yeah. not close enough to that baby. They weren't protecting the baby. I was just like, oh my God, maybe I'm not protecting people. Oh my gosh, maybe someone's going to tumble. I, the next day I did in-depth like sessions with every person. Cause I was like, I can't. <laughs> I need to be sure that you're okay. You know, like yeah. it might've been too much too fast. Yeah. Yeah. How did it go? It went really well. And the one person who didn't do the session with me dropped out. <gasps> Interesting. Huh. 
Very interesting. So I was like, oh, that was my baby. (laughs) Okay. Yes. They were warning me. They were telling me like. Right. That's her path though. I mean, who knows if you didn't do those, the other sessions, maybe you would have more to that. Right. But they, it's like those people were open to it, obviously. And then this person, for whatever reason, it didn't. Not yeah. Really yeah. Open, so whatever reason, it didn't work out. And then that's the result. Yeah. They were letting me know, I think, so I would know ahead of time, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a learning for me as well as a mentor, as a guide, right? Like we, oh, we yeah. are learning too. So people often forget that. Like we're, this is a two-way absolutely. learning street. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And it is an almost constant learning process for me. I don't know what your experience is. Totally. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's like how I work changes and what techniques I use changes. And it depends on what the client's presenting often, you know, like what kind of healing do they need? Or like, maybe I do this and it's like, "Uh, nothing, that didn't work. I got to shift really quickly. (laughs) Like, okay, let's try something else. And it's really, for me as a healer, like tuning into that intuitive process of, all right, just going to have to use the intuition here, you know, like everything's out the window now. And that's actually a really lovely process. I think we talked about that during your interview for my podcast is like, that's a lovely process sometimes when everything goes out the window and you're just strictly relying like straight up intuition, like, yep, let's just see how I can show up as a healer for this person. Just solely in the present here. Yeah. Yeah. That hollow bone and not thinking, you know, the answer. Uh, so yeah. in that intuitive process, you guide people through a lot of inner child healing. Talk about the importance of inner child healing. Like what what can happen for a person in their life, like in a pragmatic way, once they've done some inner child healing? Oh, I, I mean, I think their world opens up. I really do. Because when we're doing inner child healing, it is such a compassionate process that they no longer feel like they have to constantly put themselves down, beat themselves up. You know, they're really taking care of that small child self. Now, people need coaching around that in different levels and amounts. Okay, so some people have a really um, hard time accessing the compassion for that inner child. So this is very occasionally I'll, I'll have someone who's very harsh with the inner child and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But, but wait, do you need some help with this? You know, it's always permission-based. Like, do you want some help with this? When I hear that type of thing going on, it's informative to me in terms of like, that is how they're talking to themselves on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, I, I really would love your perspective on this because I've been tossing this question around. It seems like I, I run across people and not just uh, clients, but like, you know, in general, listening to podcasts, all kinds of stuff who really like the harsh voice seems to work for them. It gets them to where they're going or what they want to do. And then for other people, it's like, that doesn't work at all. That's just them backwards. And again, I've been just sort of questioning this with an open mind, not assuming that, oh, the compassionate voice is like the one you need, quote unquote, right? Like, what is your perspective on that? Because previously I've thought, wow, that's harsh. That's actually going to stop them. Like, let's get the compassionate voice going. Like, hey, yeah, the critical self is going to come up and say stuff and say, oh God, you're such an idiot or why'd you do that or whatever. But then the other voice can come in and be like, no, you know, it's okay. We're okay here. We're just doing what we need to do and learning what we need to learn. So what is, what is your perspective on that? 
Well, you know, I think that that's some reparenting uh, opportunity. I mean, I have had a harsh voice and, you know, I've also accomplished a lot in my life, a lot of major things, like I've run marathons, things like that, like things that are challenging that most of the population, Mm -hmm. you know, would be like, wow, that's hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think part of the, how I did it was through a harsh voice inside of myself, right? Like I forced myself to do it. As it turns out, I have the gene key of force. I have the, I have the shadow Mm -hmm. of force and the answer to force is actually strength. It's Mm -hmm. strength. And then it moves into majesty. And majesty to me is like, you're really honoring yourself as a divine being at that point uh-huh. and that you wouldn't force yourself to do anything. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I feel does like that, that mean, is force. That's oh, actually Does that being. mean it transforms though? Like it starts as force and then it transforms as like majesty. Can you give me an example of that? Like how it sounds in your head? Yeah. So whenever I feel the energy of force and you can feel it because you're like trying to push something through because it's Uh not, you're like, it's not fitting. (laughs) I have a vision. It's not happening. I have an expectation. It's not happening. I also have the shadow of expectation. It's so fun. Um, And (laughs) trying to push that through, like make it happen. I can make it happen, right? Uh So in that state of mind, when you're making it happen, it's kind of like a sense of accomplishment because you made yourself do it, even though you didn't want to do it and you accomplished it. So there is like some slight reward on the other side of that, which can be like, can feel like it's progress. Okay. However, it backfires because as soon as you accomplish that, there's another goal, right? Mm -hmm. It's always another goal. Yes. Always, always, always. And that can lead to burnout. Like eventually you're just done. Like I I don't have any more left to like make myself do stuff. So when you finally get to that place where I can't force myself to do it anymore because I just don't want to, then you're up against the brick wall of your, of your, you know, your inner child. It's like, I'm never good enough. I'm never enough. You don't really want me. You don't love me. You know, now you can move into strength because it's not about like forcing yourself to do things. It's about your inner tensile strength. And the thing that really helps you develop that strength is integrity. So Mm -hmm. I also have that gift of integrity. And the shadow of judgment is the one that pulls you apart and critiques you and says, oh, you're just terrible. Right? Like you're not not matching up. You're not perfect enough because the shadow of judgment goes all the way to perfection. The reason it's there is to help you keep perfecting, keep you, you know, Mm -hmm. building your integrity. So with integrity, you have strength. Mm-hmm. You don't Definitely. need a force. You can just stand in your power and stand in your knowing and then consider the thing at hand. Like consider, is this the right time to do that? Is this the right energy I'm in to do that? Is this the right state of mind to do that? Does something need to shift to make that easier? You start to get it strategic. You see what I'm saying? Like it's much yes. more strategic and it's listening. Mm-hmm. Now you're in majesty because when you're listening, you're aligned with the earth and your higher self. That's total majesty. Got it. Okay. So it is a transformation, like spiritually along the path in your purview as well, that we move out of that harsh, pushing, critical voice into something that, you know, may not sound, it's going to sound different to different people, but it is a thoughtful consideration. It's a strategic, it's, you know, that type of energy to it versus like push, 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 like, 
you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like you got to get your feet going. You have one more mile. Like, (laughs) (laughs) although that's really helpful on a marathon, like only one more mile, you know. But also with that, it's like, it's like even the quality of that, Liz, it can be different, right? Mm -hmm. You only have, okay, you're at mile 19. You only got six more miles. That's, you know, that's like the entire marathon, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. The last half is not the first. No. You've done it, right? So it's like, no, it's not. No, I haven't run a marathon, but I used to be a runner. So, but, you know, we can take that that metaphor and put it to pretty much anything. Yeah. It's that last half that's really important. It's the last half. Not the first. So you could even handle that differently, right? Like you can be Mm -hmm. like, oh, man only five miles left. You're doing such a great job. This is awesome. Look how great this feels. You can feel so amazing when you achieve this. It's so incredible what you're doing. Like you can do that or you can be like, get your lazy ass running. (laughs) Totally. Finish that race. Don't you give up? You quitter. You know, you it's either one, but like one's going to serve you longer, right? Like a long-term strategy. Yeah, that was really my question because I've been questioning this. Like, am I making a false assumption that the first one's going to serve you longer than the second one that you, you know, you gave an example of, right? But it's like, yeah, I guess you're saying that does transform. That's the way you see it as well. We can't avoid our shadow selves or our critical voice though, right? Like, it's not about eradicating that. So talk about that, like... Oh, yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, if I could just get rid of those thoughts, right? Like, why do they come? They get stuck in asking the whys too. Like, why? If I just knew why, then all this would go away. And it's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) The whole goal is to make it go away, right? Like before you actually awaken, the goal is to make it stop. Yes. And it's like, it's not going to stop. It's going to pop up. It's going to pop up at different times in our lives. It's going to pop up in different ways. And really, it's just developing the awareness so that then you can shift into the state of being you want to shift into, the self-talk that you want to shift into, the um, thoughts and you know vibration and energy states that you really want to be in. Because you know we wake up different every day, right? Depending on our dreams and what happened. <laughs> Yeah, where are you? I mean, as you so eloquently showed right earlier in the show, we're in the process. You know, we're in process. It's like, and and a lot of times we doubt ourselves. Like, right, this morning, just the fact that I had listened to Doctor Zach Bush and I was thinking about this and contemplating, Mm -hmm. wow, like this adds another layer to why I do what I do. Yes. Then I doubted myself and I was like, oh, I'm going to hold that back. I'm not going to bring that in. And then we started talking and I was like, oh, totally need to bring this in. Yes. So it's like that, just trusting the evolution of things. And it's not a yes. problem. Like anything that's coming up is the way. So talk about that. Like it's not to be avoided. It's not to be bypassed. It's not, not to be yeah. like, get better. So you never have that happen again. Like, right. <laughs> no. right. Although, you know, I, I will say that once you really find that compassionate voice, let's say, or the majesty voice, whatever we want to call it, then it is easier and easier to access. So does the critical self pop up? Sometimes yes, but I I would say the frequency of it sometimes does actually decrease over years. We're not talking like a week, you know, (laughs) over years, it is the, the majesty voice becomes the automatic And so that happens faster and faster, but it's not to avoid it. It's really to look at it. So let's say that the critical voice comes in and it's like, oh, here it is. What's going on? What is it trying to communicate to me? 
What do I need to sit with? What do I need to get clarity around so that you can move into the state of being you really do want to be in? Also, if anybody's listening, I don't know if anybody gets anxiety. Like, let's say something happens that isn't ideal in a relationship Mm -hmm. or at work or something. And then your mind starts to ruminate on whether you said the right thing or did the right thing or what did Mm -hmm. that person think about me or all of that. And then your anxiety level goes up. I mean, this has been one of my lifelong things. And I finally got to this place the other day where I was like, oh, my brain is trying to protect me. Thank you, brain, for trying to protect me. I would just stay in the moment with this because I have no idea what that person's thinking. And I'm okay over here in this moment. I'm not in threat. Right. And thank you for sharing all of that content with me, you know, and yes, you yeah. know, so, I mean, that's a perfect example of you really tuning in and listening to yourself, like what's going on here. Right. And for someone else, it may be a different situation. My brain's trying to help me or my brain's trying to like, you know, push me in some way or something like that. Yeah. Anxiety, anxiety is hard and people want anxiety to go away. Right. Like immediately. Make it stop. Exactly. Pill. Right. I want that to stop. Yes. But it doesn't. It doesn't stop. stop. Yeah. I mean, pills will make it stop. I'm not a fan of pills making it stop because you lose so much information. I mean, it's part of it, right? You really do lose a lot of information. I remember at one point I had a, a really close friend who went on antidepressant. She was having a really difficult time and she made that choice. And then about six months later, five, six months, she went off of them because she said, I lost so much information, you know, like... Yeah, my ang- more anxious without them, like temporarily. She, you know, she found skills to work with that and stuff. But even in a crisis, anxiety is going up, and I lost my edge. So she said, like I lost it. So it's like, yes, what kind of information is it trying to give you? And for yeah. for that ruminating state, I always say, you know. I'm an anxiety specialist as well. So I work with a lot of anxious people. There's a reason for that because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to like, feel like you just could take your head and set it beside you if you could, you know, to stop those. But often when we move into one, this is just going to happen right now. So acceptance, right? Like sometimes I say, well, yep, I... I made what I think is a misstep. So I'm going to be anxious for a little bit about it. And that's okay. It's here. It may take me a day. It may take me a couple of hours. But then it's also finding like the phrase to hold on to that helps bring it down. And that's very individual, really is. So in your case, it's like, oh, you know, when you said, what did you say? The... Sorry, that's going back like two minutes, right? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> what were you just talking about? Yeah, <laughs> you can get on a roll with spirit. And you're like, I have no idea. What you can't, you, right? Yeah, no. But it's like, you know, let's say you said something wrong at work, right? And the you're obsessing about that, and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I did say something wrong at work, and perhaps I'll get fired, and then I'll have to look for a new job, and in the end okay, I'll have to look for a new job. That's it, right? It's really going to whatever's going to calm someone down. That might make someone more anxious, right? I may have to look for a new job. Oh my God, that's what's making them anxious, right? It's like, oh, well, what if we imagined a job that was even better than this one, 
that you loved even more, you know, that yeah, maybe you make more money if that's their thing, or maybe you have more time or you get to spend more time traveling or whatever that is. And it's like, oh, finding the one thing that's going to help someone calm down. And again, you know, highly individual depending on what's happening and the person and what they value and what their own path is really. Yeah. Well, I really love that you demonstrated because um, you're such a good example, like the, the way you demonstrate of kind like compassionate kindness to yourself when you're going through some challenge, like even just the words that you just use to comfort yourself through this imaginary potential, right? Yeah. It's all imaginary. Like uh, it is, you know, you're making it all up in your brain, you know, you, not you, yeah. but your brain is making this up, like looking for all the ways that you could get hurt. And it's like, yeah. okay, like if all that is true, at the end of the day, can I hold myself through that and still be okay? That yeah is really what the inner child healing is about. Absolutely. And being able to access that kind of holding it is. And, you know, sometimes you need help with that, right? From a professional, just for perspective, from a friend. Some, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But I do think that when you begin to do healing, however you do it, it is easier to access that soothing because you've practiced at that point. I know with hypnosis, it's like we practice soothing the inner child. We ask, what does it need? I don't come up with that. I can't tell you what the inner child needs, anybody's, you know? And and I have heard all kinds of stuff under the sun about like what that child needs. But it's like, you practice that under hypnosis and it really gets into the soul, really, the spirit. Then oh, in the conscious state, that's so much easier to access. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because it's like a softening. Everything for me is like softening. That's why when you asked about the critical voice and is it effective? Well, yeah, for a while. <laughs> for a while, right. <laughs> but then like what's more effective? And it's uncomfortable. I will say my own process with healing the inner child is uncomfortable because instead of using that hard voice to like sort of push through mm -hmm. and get a solution, it's like hanging out in the uncomfortable feeling and bringing presence to it and loving yourself through that process of being uncomfortable, having no answers and feeling scared. Yes. That's, you know, you're not jumping to a quick solution. You're like sitting with it, sitting with yourself, being with yourself. And that's, challenging. I could stir up it a lot is. of stuff. It is. But I think when you begin to do like spiritual healing type of work, you also trust that you're going to come out the other side much, much more. So it's like you trust, oh, I'm going to figure this out. I'll find the solution. I am held by whatever spiritual beliefs you have, right? Like this is all going to work out. This is part of my journey. Like those become phrases that you don't just use, like they're really a part of you. This is part, this has to be part of my spiritual journey here, right? So let's figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, that's back to the allow. Yeah. I love this because, um, you know, I work with the gene keys. I've mentioned by a couple of my shadows and Richard Rudd is just a great teacher of that. You know, he downloaded it and his whole thing that he teaches his practitioners, because I'm learning how to be a guide for this. He awesome. says, when you find a shadow, you allow, accept, and embrace it. That's the whole process. That's it. Allow, accept, embrace that it. It's happening. And I feel like that's so true. Just allowing it to be there 
Because mm-hmm. I, I have the shadow of stress too. And you know what it feels like to have stress in your body. It does yeah. not feel good. It feels really mm-hmm. awful. So, but allowing the stress to be there, go, oh, there's energy moving. Oh, there's energy stuck. Oh, it feels uncomfortable. Oh, okay. <laughs> Accepting it's there. It's there. Yeah. And then like learning to embrace it. That's been like learning. It's almost like there's an upset child inside of me. What would I do to that child? Would I say, oh, go to your room because you're crying and I can't be around you? Yeah. Oh man, I would hold, like, I think about my son who cried the first (laughs) year of his life. Well, so occasionally you would say that, Carrie. (laughs) Like, I tried everything. I have tried everything. Go to your room. You can (laughs) self-soothe. Please just go to your room. Right. (laughs) I'm at the, I'm at my limit, you know, like my compassion just got, my compassion limit just got reached. I'm beyond it now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's a mom. I can be compassionate to you from afar at this point. (laughs) I really am. We get that way, right? Because our kids are teaching us compassion. They're teaching, they're pushing us beyond our limit. So yes. we can expand our capacity to be compassionate and and understanding. Yes, but it's like sometimes you do need to go to the like <laughs> quiet spot. Right? Yeah, everybody quiet have a contained, time out. Quite, exactly, quiet contained spot. I know when I was in like early motherhood and originally I trained as like a child and family psychologist. And then um, I found once I had my own kids, I really... I didn't have, I wasn't the place for that. It's like, I went to be home playing with my own kids, not like in session. So I really switched to more adult, but we're always doing child and family work. Like it never ends. You know? like, well, there's a reason why you pursued that is because that's what's happening on the inside too. Absolutely. But I remember like it was such a big concept. Containment was a big concept, right? Of like, all right, how do you contain, provide the like safe container for a child? And that is often through setting limits of like, okay, I understand you're upset. You do all that validating. And now let's figure out what you need and how I can help you. And sometimes they know that depending on their developmental level and sometimes they don't, right? So it's like, you have to do some of that work as as their mother as their parents. So it's really interesting of like thinking about that as an adult, like what do I need contained here? How do I create this safe container for myself? What do I need to do? And sometimes that is like send myself to my room and just chill out for a little bit, you know? I love that you said that because the shadow of stress actually moves into restraint Ah, as the gift. And you wouldn't think restraint is a gift, but actually it is. Because with that, you can move into stillness. And from stillness, the stress dissipates. Yeah. Very Yeah. It's so like all of it, like your whole journey. I love how spirit was like, oh, you're going to be a psychologist. Oh, you're going to like work with child, children and adults. Oh, no, wait a second. Actually, you're going to be a (laughs) hypnotherapist and you're going to help people do their own inner child. Like, oh, I had to understand on the outside what was happening so I could understand on the inside what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say my journey as a mother has absolutely helped me do that. Yeah, I really don't think I could do, I couldn't do the same type of work. I mean, obviously people do different types of work when they don't have children and that's that's their own karmic path for this life. But I am so grateful myself that I do have that journey of being a mother to be able to help people then mother themselves. Yeah, there is an embodiment that happens with being a mother in my experience. Like it's, it's just something that I understand at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And it's a lifelong commitment. It's like the marathon that never ends, you know, like until I leave the body, you know, like even after that, I'll be looking over them, you know, from beyond the veil. It's like, 
Totally. You know, so it just never ends actually. And, and, and so when I finally got that, I was like, oh, oh, I, this marathon doesn't end. Okay. I put on this new attitude because I was trying to like meter my energy level to get through Mm -hmm. just the teenage years and get them out of the house. And I was like, I'm just got to meter my energy like a marathon and I just got to manage it, you know, so that I can show Uh up for my kids, you know, and like, and, but what was happening is I wasn't fully opening my heart Mm. because I was managing it. I might not have enough left to get through this marathon if I open my heart like that and just give it all the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I have to open my heart all the way because my kid just broke it wide open, you know, when he, yeah. and he you know, the things he was doing. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So it like, it, it, I think this process of being a mother does that to you. It, it puts it you in the flow. It can. Yeah. I think if you're open to that, it will put you in the flow. Absolutely. And it's sort of, it reminds me of like when my oldest was leaving for college, it's only like, well, she's a junior. So about two years ago and I was crying to one of my friends with older kids. And I was like, what, how do you handle it when they leave? You know, I, I wanted her to leave that. That wasn't a question. I wanted her to like, yeah, I was so excited for her, you know, to, like go to college and have that experience and all of that. So it's not like I wanted her to stay home. Although I did have this moment, like, you know, I could just refuse to drive her to the airport. She's flying to Italy, you know, like <laughs> I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't wake up in the morning and take her to the airport. You know, it's like, oh yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that's the thing. You have to. <laughs> you do. Right. But it's like my older friend, she laughed and she's like, oh, they never really leave, leave home. Don't worry. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, they I've had back. more. Like I've had this, sometimes immersion. you want them to leave. Sometimes you don't, you know? It's, yeah. It's it, it, it is that lifelong journey. Yeah, it is. It's but just you, so funny. You also hear about, I had a friend, this is like 15 years ago, where her mother literally, like the day she turned 18, she was still in high school. She kicked her out of the house and said, I'm done. You're 18. She had oh to figure goodness. out how to live on her own, uh, how to feed herself, like yeah. So it's like, okay, we don't know what that mother's spiritual journey was, right? We have, I, well, she, I don't she got to the end of her marathon and she wasn't willing to open her heart and get in the flow. You she, know, she's like, exactly. that's all I got. I gave you everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like done for her. I guess she, I mean, in my perspective, she didn't finish the marathon. She dropped out halfway. Right. But it's like, we, you know, who knows what that was about too. And there exactly. was an opportunity there like part of me wanting to finish the marathon and thinking I can't was all the stuff I was doing that wasn't authentic to me. Yeah. And so yeah. I took that courageous step to recalibrate my container, like recalibrate my expectations of myself, you know, take some time for myself. Yeah. I, I started going to, I was studying with a mentor at that time and I would take two Saturdays a month and be gone for the day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mom's gone for the day. You guys are fine. You know, they're early, you know, tween and and teen. So I was like, you guys are fine. I need to go take care of me now. And everyone was like, you're not doing everything for us anymore. You're like, so people were mad at me. Wow. But I, I took time for myself and that actually sustained me to, to stay in the marathon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, that story as a younger mother was sort of horrifying to me. Like, how could you do that? And then as an older mother, all I have is like compassion for that woman, you know, compassion for like, I don't know what she's going through or what, but it's like, 
yeah, it's effing hard. It's effing hard to like keep running the marathon sometimes. And you sometimes do feel like giving up. And I think that's a wonderful solution to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to take a water break over here and you guys are going to be fine today. And there's plenty of food in the fridge and I'll be back, you know? Yeah, I'll be back and I'll be replenished and I'll like... I'll yes. be better configured so that I'm not in my victim story about how much and my martyr story about how much I'm giving, right? <laughs> that I'm not getting. So yes. that is so true. And I that's why I encourage moms to get help. So yeah. this is like, this is so we could talk for hours because this is such a big topic. It is. I love your journey. Thank you for coming on and sharing it. Is there anything you want to share with the audience about how they um, find out more about you or besides your podcast? Oh, sure. Of course, I'll, I'll send links. Yeah, sure. I mean, they can always look me up. It's uh, my website is super easy, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z, hypnosis.com. And they can always like, you know, that's the jumping point, right? You can look me up on YouTube or listen to the podcast. Um, I'm not on Instagram because I got hacked at one point, but, you know, but there's, if you want to find me, you'll find me and you'll find me when you need to find me if I'm the right one to work with you. Truly. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. And I encourage you to do that if you're feeling called and, and you know, you love the way Dr. Liz's voice is. I so love it. Uh, if you love it, yeah. then that's a good sign because you'll be listening to a lot of it on hypnosis and, you know, yes. your inner child's like, I like her voice. I like yes. this and pay attention to that because that will be um, pivotal to your healing. So um, I encourage everybody to share this episode out with anybody that you think would be interested in what we talked about today and give us a like and a stars and a rating, please, because that's what helps people to find this podcast. You can go into iTunes or you can go into YouTube and just click the stars, you know, click like, click subscribe, all that kind of stuff. It helps us get found. And in the meantime, we're going to give you kisses. Are you ready? We're going to give kisses. Okay, great. Air kisses. Okay. But you have sound kisses too? Yeah, if you want. All right, great. Hugs. Yeah. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar, from the source of who you are.